Want to know how to energize and keep the attention of an audience? You're about to learn techniques from one of the best MCs in the industry, here on the Stand Out Get Noticed podcast. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 294 of Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantors, communication skills trainer, speaker, and MC. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by the incredible Mike Goldman. Mike is one of the top professional MCs and hosts in the industry, and today he's here to share his expertise on how to have fun and engage with different types of audiences. With over 20 years of experience, Mike certainly knows how to keep the energy high and make any event a success. Show notes will be at thecmethod.com slash 294. So let's get the party started and learn from the master himself, Mike Goldman. You've done, I don't even know where to start. You've done so much hosting. You've hosted everything from Big Brother to national radio shows and the Commonwealth Games. Did I see somewhere you hosted an Andre Ryu um, party? That would have ah. been a. <laughs> what the hell? How did you know about that? I've done my research, that, man. Yeah, that, well, that was actually a deal I had with, uh, with, with the City Entertainment Centre and Kudos Bank Arena. Whenever there was a concert, if people paid an extra 500 bucks or whatever, they got this special meet and greet private party backstage. And whenever Richard Wilkins couldn't host it, I would go in and host it. And because Richard Wilkins was playing on stage because he plays violin with Andre Rio, he, uh, he he couldn't do the backstage party. So I was there flirting with all the old nanas and having a backstage party, which was a, a, a big juxtaposed to the Justin Bieber party, which was a week later where the kids were climbing the walls and knocking stuff over in hope of meeting Justin Bieber, who didn't show. Did you have to wear earplugs to block out all the screams? Well, I didn't, and that's probably why I have a really bad <laughs> hearing loss. <laughs> and I'm an ambassador for the Shepherd Setter and Bay Audio for hearing aids, which I'm not wearing mine today, but I've got terrible hearing. Wow. Too many live events. What? Too many. <laughs> yeah, All right. Very good. Very joke. good. Okay. So that actually brings me to, to my first question is that you are very good at reacting on the spot and dealing very quickly with situations and with people. Have you always been this adept at working with live audiences? Gee, I don't, I don't know what to say. You've, you've, you've put me on the spot here. I'm not, not very good on, on, on the spot. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's something I've grown up with. My, my dad worked in radio and TV. He was the first host of Countdown. It was also the first color TV show live in Australian TV history and being around that growing up and my mum was a weather girl for channel seven and channel 10 and just getting up on the stage and I just just had it in my blood. The apple doesn't (laughs) fall far from the tree, but at the same time, if you're watching this thinking, I'm watching this because I want to learn how to get up in front of a stage and I want to learn how to be able to talk to a crowd. Well, uh, you can learn it. And there are a few tricks that you can use to, uh, to be able to, Give yourself that Dutch carriage, if you will, to get up there and do your thing. So when we talk about emceeing and hosting an event, what kind of skills, what are the key skills that are required to be able to do that really well? Um, key skills are being able to work a room. Uh, I think having a, a bit of charisma helps and that's that's something that you can uh, you can grow 
Not not in, not in a little petri dish <laughs> like IVF, but grow it. But uh, charisma is is someone who uh, they're showing themselves and and you know empathy and love and communication and excitement and engagement in the eyes. Like there's something that a lot of producers would say to me over the years when I was jumping on camera is to say, you know, your eyes aren't lit up. You're not engaging because like you can have a voice that's engaged and sounds really excited. But if your eyes are just like looking over there and like, hey, welcome to the show. It's great to see you here. But you got to engage. Like you got to look at people, look them in the eyes and speak to them directly. And don't get too caught up in the words. Like so many people, they uh, they need their auto cue and they, they need, to, need to have their everything written out in front of them. I mean, it's, sure, it's, it's great to have uh, everything written out. It's great to be prepared. But do a few run-throughs so you know exactly what you're going to do. And then just narrow down those paragraphs into bullet points. So you can just go for gold and, and talk about exactly what those bullet points are. And to the point where, you know, you might even just have five bullet points on the floor over there and you just you walk around the stage, talk to people because you know what, you, what you're going to do because you've already rehearsed it a few times, but you're talking directly to the people and you're not worried about the lectern or anything mm. like that. Some people use the lectern as something to protect them, something to hide behind, which I actually did have to hide behind once. Uh, it was the uh, Australian Stockbroker of the Year Awards. What a bunch of assholes they were. Um, they all had these little fluffy toys on the table. And I said, look, you've all clearly got a lot of energy, pretty much because the queue from a toilet cubicle was going out onto the street. I don't know what they were doing in there, but it, it, whatever it was, was making you want to talk a lot. Get your energy out and throw those fluffy little corporate gift toys at me now. And they, and I had to hide behind the lectern. <laughs> so would you say that was um, probably one of the more difficult audiences you've had to MC for? Oh yeah, totally. I've had a, had a few over the years. Tell me more about those. Like what what is what consists of a really difficult audience in your eyes? Uh, difficult audience is when the audio doesn't work, the sound isn't working. Like it's impossible to control a crowd if the sound isn't working. So become best friends with the audio engineer and make sure he's got a microphone on backup because you don't want any gaps. You know, you don't want a, a gap big enough for a, a bus to drive through. You want to be able to keep talking to people and keep engaging with them and don't lose the crowd. Mm. Um, so I, uh, I remember I had to host the uh, Brisbane Art Directors Awards, the BAD Awards one year, and uh, they weren't very good at art directing a whole stage because the dickheads put the stage there and then they put the, <laughs> they put the audience way over to one side and, and, and way over to the other side and just left this huge space of nothing in front of the stage where everyone was going to dance right. and obviously the band would be, but just the setup of the room was just completely wrong. So it was a really hard crowd to organize as well. Um, schoolies. <laughs> I was the official toolie at schoolies one year. You want a crowd that's hard to run? <laughs> That is a hard crowd to run. What was the event? But, what were uh, you trying to do? Was it a concert? Like, what was it? Oh, that was a concert Concert on the beach. So we had like Eskimo Joe, Little Birdie, uh, Hoodoo Gurus, all, all these uh, bands performing for the kids. Um, and uh, <laughs> and they were just going nuts. And it's just, just hard to control them. And most of the time, the problem there was the toolies. The, the actual uh, toolies. You know, the, the older people that weren't supposed to be there that – were uh, were messing things up, and I'd <laughs> I'd get the whole crowd to stand there and yell "Tooley, Tooley" to, to someone who who wasn't supposed to be there and, until they'd leave. Uh, but usually, you just promise you know someone a packet of chips at 
to shut up if it's a crowd that's 16 or 15. And then they usually, yeah, for a free T-shirt, they'll do anything. When it's a concert, so, though, uh, yeah. Mike, like when it's a concert, does it really, I don't know, I guess I'm just thinking like the difference between something like a concert versus a more corporate gig. Maybe it's an awards night yeah. or it's a conference yeah. or something. Um, yeah. Does it really matter that much at a concert if they're, you know, really listening? Aren't they? They're just there to dance and have a good time anyway. They, they. I wasn't just there to introduce the bands. Um, we're playing all sorts of random games okay. on stage, and it's always fun to have a few games, a few tricks up your sleeve, um, because you know you got to fill in while one one band's got to move their keyboards and their drums and set up their own speakers. So you've got about you know, 20 minutes just to fill. So you got a few prizes and you play a few random games, get some people uh, up on stage, interview some people, sing happy birthday to someone or what, whatever random stuff you can pull out of the audience. Uh, and, and I find in those situations, it's always best to work with the audience and whatever they're celebrating or whatever they're doing because that way they're going to go, oh, they're talking about me rather than doing some weird stuff on the stage and, and, and we're down here in the crowd and then it's two different worlds. You want to make those two different worlds one world so they're all living on the same planet even though they're probably off the planet and off the tree. <laughs> Can you give an example, Mike, of a game that you might play with an audience where it's more in that work context? So maybe we've got like five minutes to do something with the audience to re-engage with them. What sort of, mm -hmm. what kind of game can you describe that you would, that you would play there? Uh, I like, one of my favorite games is called Will You Eat It? Uh, so, you know, you get uh, witchetty grub. Uh, <laughs> you've seen my show Friday Night Live. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe you were, we did lamb's sheep's testicle, I think it was. Uh, we did pig liver. Okay, you probably don't want to do that. Uh, if you want to do something a little bit more tame, uh, great way to start. And it's, 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 a, it's something that um, I've done a million times before, which, you know, it's probably I need to come up with something new. Is You know, two truths, one lie. And you, you say two things that are com uh, completely true or, or you can say two lies, one truth, whichever way you want to do it. Uh, I played a game uh, the other day at the Professional Speakers Association um, Awards and we had a, a, a few little breakout rooms where I um, talked talked about some of the stuff I'm talking about here with you. And I played a game called Bang. Mm -hmm. No, it's not a swingers <laughs> game. Uh, <laughs> so everyone gets the keys and they put it into a hat. No. Uh, this game, you, have, you get everyone into a circle and I'm, I stand in the middle and if I go bang and shoot you, you have to duck down and the two people either side of you have to go bang and shoot each other. And the person who's last is out. And everyone's like, oh no, you banged me, I got out. You know, and, and it's just a, a fun way to get the energy flowing and, uh, and have, have a bit of fun with the crowd. I mean, if like I'm hosting, um, a couple of events in Melbourne and Sydney soon and, uh, and that's for uh, the Raw Aesthetics Conference. So that's like everyone from, you know, Botox people, fillers, hair. Okay. Thank you. I could contra some more hair. And so they'll, uh, they asked me to put together a, a game show, like a quiz show to do with uh, aesthetics. So, you know, you, you can get people on stage and you have a quiz and, you know, you know, it'll be all about aesthetics. Who invented Botox? Uh, you know, what is, the, what is the, uh, the most amount of Botox someone's had in their face? <laughs> uh, you know, what, what is the most expensive hair transplant in the world? You know, just <laughs> random stuff like that. You know, how many, because de there's dentists there. So some of the questions will be, um, you know, how many teeth on the average mouth? You know, just random games like that with, with 
a few jokes that I'd write in that I'd, I'd throw in there at the same time. And for that, do you get people to raise their hands with the answer or do you get people up on stage? Like, I how do you actually I, facilitate that? I'd, uh, you know, people hate to volunteer. So I'd go, hey, um, just just to something to get the show going, uh, could I get uh, a few people to, to help me out here? I'll just get you to hold your hand in the air. Really simple. Hold your hand in the air. Just you over there. Uh, yes, yes, that man in the uh, blue shirt, uh, the lady over there in the pink dress. Hold your hand up really high. And Chris, hold your hand up there, there in the middle. I know you, Chris. Yeah, that's right. Okay, everyone, hold your hand up. Don't Whatever you do, don't put your hand down. All right, I'm looking for three volunteers. <laughs> wow, that was quick. Come on up here. Yay, give them a round of applause. Okay, and then uh, you break them up into to get the audience involved. Otherwise, you get that two-world thing. You say, okay, um, Chris, you're in charge of this section of the audience and you're all playing together. You're going to help Chris. Um, Susie, you're a, you're a part of the audience to the left and Brian, you're part of the audience to the right. So they'll yell out answers and try and help them get get the, uh, get the whatever the game is if I'm playing a quiz, get the answers right. And yeah, that's always a good way to fill in, you know, five or ten minutes. Oh, so you get them... That's a good idea to get them to the audience to divide into teams, but you've got someone from the audience who's actually yeah. leading that team and they're like the representative. Yeah, of that and then team. they can go, I don't know the answer to that question anymore. What's the freaking answer? And then that way it's, it's, it's good audience interaction. And whoever's organizing the event, if they've got the, the money to pay, pay you 10 grand to host it and then you know $50,000 for the rest of the event or whatever, um, just tell them to give you some prizes, even if it's $100 gift cards or whatever for JB Hi-Fi. It's, it's something for them to get excited about and uh, get their competitive spirit going so they can battle it out. Now, Mike, I know that you, uh, you know, that showbiz and presenting is in your blood and you've been doing this for a very, very long time. For someone who is wanting to do some MC work, maybe it's for at their workplace or it's maybe at their friend's wedding or something like that, and they're feeling really nervous about it, what are a couple of, of tips you can give them to help reduce their nerves or just make them feel a bit more comfortable going up there. Don't go up. Don't do it. Are you crazy? You're not ready for this. You're nervous. <laughs> Let someone else do it. No, um, but the best things to do are um, first and foremost, be prepared. Make sure you've got it written out in point form, what you're going to do, what you're going to say. Uh, I would, I wouldn't rely exactly word for word. Otherwise you will be there reading it and it will be boring uh, a lot of people, when they get nervous, they um, they start shallow breathing and they're not breathing enough. So make sure you're breathing before you go on. Uh, maybe do some voice exercises, you know, some lip and tongue exercises to get your get the blood moving in your mouth because it, you know, your mouth is a muscle. So it needs blood in there to get the muscles going. And if you get up there and you've been shaking and you haven't been breathing and you're shitting yourself, you're going to fall over your words and people are going to laugh and it's going to be shit house. So, you know, make sure you do some red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, you know, Peter Puffer, Pickle, Pickle, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and before you go up, they, they actually do help. I still do them every day when I'm um, about to go to bed. I mean, before I get up on stage or before I'm about to do a voiceover. <laughs> Different lip and tongue exercises. Okay. Yeah, I guess if you think about it, a, um, a sprinter doesn't just get up and sprint no. on the day of the race. They do loads of warm-ups to warm up yep. their muscles, and it's exactly the same thing. Or go and do a big like. poo so you're lighter. <laughs> what I used to I do. Think, or just, I guess people got to do a nervous poo anyway, don't they? Yeah. Well, I used to be – I was Australian beach sprint champion when I was 18, and uh, my dad used to bet a lot of money on the greyhounds, and I remembered um, when I was a little kid, I'd go along with him, and he'd be yelling at the guys walking their greyhounds up to the, the starters box and say, hey, which one's done a big poo? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, this one has. Okay, he put fifty bucks on it, and so I'd always, I always think, oh, maybe if I go and do that, then I'll be lighter. It's true. All yeah. right, there's a tip that you will not hear on any other episode of Stand Out Get Noticed in 294 episodes. Thank you, Mike Goldman. Go do a big poo before you get up to speak. If you learn anything from this show, (laughs) go and take a dump. All right, let's move on. What are the biggest mistakes that you see other MCs make, even the professional ones, Mike? Not you, of course, other MCs. Hmm, good question. What are some of the mistakes? Um, I mean, I can tell you about mistakes that I've made in the past. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not here to talk about Osher Ginsburg, so uh, I should probably focus on myself. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, just joking. Yeah, I, I think the, the mistakes are, you know, not being prepared, uh, not knowing the names of the, uh, the CEO of the company and, the, you know, the people who you have to introduce. Pronunciations uh, are a common mistake. Uh, I was a, an announcer at the Olympic Games, the Paralympic Games, Commonwealth Games, the Goodwill Games. Um, and one of the things my dad taught me, because he was a uh, stadium announcer at the Olympic Games, uh, is just make sure you put the, the names in phonetics, put lines through them, and no matter what happens, just say them confidently. Because if you go, it's we sing how ting from China, they think you're stuffed up. But if you just go, we wa sang hing tao from China, you know, just make it sound like you're so happy to be there and you're really happy. When in actual fact, you know, a billion people in China know you mucked up the name because Wing Sing Tang Ha Hao rather than Ha Ha. <laughs> but the rest of the world doesn't know. <laughs> so just say it with confidence. But yeah, preferably you've got to say it right. Um, make sure that you're, uh, you know, you got your microphone sorted, you got your microphone back up. Um, make sure that you've got a few friends in the crowd that, that you know will, will help you out and pay attention. What can, we, what can we instruct them to do? Like if we've got some allies, some friends in the audience. Just get them, to, get them to back you, you know, get them to clap when you go, let's hear it for Susie. And they go, yeah, you know, because applause is infectious. Oh, that person's clapping. Oh, oh, half the time people clap and they don't know what they're clapping for. So, uh, you know, if you've got a couple of allies in the crowd, that's good. Um, a more advanced thing to keep an eye on as well is uh, work the crowd the area of the crowd that sucks. Um, if you feel like the bottom right-hand side of a, you know, 150 people is, is, is just loves you and is paying full attention, don't just work them because mm-hmm. then you lose the other half of the crowd and eventually you'll lose them as well. So work them, keep them there, keep them engaged, but start talking to the people in the back area that you look like they're on their phone. Uh, start talking to the person that, uh, you know, is, is, looks like they're disengaged and they're just sort of looking at the roof and, you know, point at them and go, hey, hey, you having a good time? And they say, yes. Say, well, tell your face. No, don't say that. <laughs> never, 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 put, never put shit on the crowd because it's a good way to, uh, to lose them really quickly because you got the power, you got the microphone and they don't. Mm. So, um, you know, always, always come to them with a, uh, from a place of love. So we shower them with love. So we go up to someone who's on their phone. How do we make it look like we're not picking on them because they're not paying attention? Like how do we make it look loving? When someone's on their phone, mm. uh, <laughs> yeah. the other night I, uh, I just start, I was, I was, I was talking at an event and I go, so everybody, uh, you know, we're going to get you to turn your phones off now. And I started walking towards the guy with the phone 
uh, just so you pay attention and uh, so that so that uh, you know you're not disengaged. You know exactly what's going on. I literally walked up to the guy's face and and so that's what I'm talking about. What do you think? And he went, oh, uh, uh, uh. and everyone's just pissing themselves. Uh, and I go, oh, it's yeah. all right, buddy. Uh, no problem. And he put his hands in his pockets. And I said, leave your hands out of your pockets. Leave the entertaining to me. And uh, it's just, it was just a bit of fun, you know. So you just have a bit of fun with him. Don't, uh, don't say, get off your phone, asshole. Trying to work here. <laughs> you know, that's never going to work. Yeah. It's going to make everyone think, oh, this is terrible. And Hang what do you up. do if there's an audience that just won't stop talking? Like chattering amongst themselves, well, and just I, being really I host, rude. I hosted the uh, more shit events that Mike's hosted. Or maybe it's just the host was shit. I don't <laughs> you know. could do a whole podcast about that. I, oh, so good. <laughs> um, the Australian Bartender of the Year awards, mm. and um, and like at at, at I was at the Hilton Hotel in Sydney, and I got up and I said, uh, "Okay, firstly, uh, I'd like to thank the uh, traditional owners of this land, uh, Paris and Nikki Hilton." <laughs> Because it was at the Hilton. And then, uh, you know, did the traditional indigenous thing like we always do. And, yeah, you know, cracked my jokes or whatever I said. And it was working really well. But, you know, when you've got bartenders who are all talking about drinking a million cocktails and having a grand old time, the only time that they want to pay attention is when it's about themselves and they could win an award. Hmm. So I sometimes... Well, I did. I got the microphone and, and just went for a little roam around the room and said, let's play Get to Know That Bartender. Congratulations. You are the best dressed bartender here. Let's hear it. For, what's your name? It's over Brian. Woo! Good on you, Brian. What a legend. What bar are you from? Just the one outside. You weren't even invited, were you? You know, just have it because people, that's what I'm saying about those two worlds. You know, you get those two mm. worlds into one, mm. uh, which I only sort of created and made up during this podcast. So, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking I think it's the title sense. of your next book, Mike. Yeah, bring two worlds into one. <laughs> I can't read, let alone write a book. And then what about the opposite? If, there's, if you've got an audience of people that are just really low energy or they're very conservative and they're not giving you anything. Hmm. What do you do? Like, cause I I've, I've spoken in front of audiences where I thought I need to be even higher energy to get them going, but it just put them off even more. And they kind of like looked a bit repelled. This is a group of an account of accountants I was talking to. And I think they're all just like, who is this crazy? Start chick? it with an accounting joke. What did the constipated accountant do? Worked Ooh. it out with a pencil. No, um, no, really. What, what um, do you do when the, when it's a conservative audience and they're not giving you much? I know. Yeah, I mean, God, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and, and a lady asked me this at the uh, Professional Speakers Association um, event the other night. They mm. said, look, I'm working with people who are from banks. And the other day I tried to get them to play a game to loosen them up. And the CEO stood up and said, what is this shit? I'm not here to play fucking game. I'm here to, here to fucking talk about stuff that's going to make our business better. And, uh, and she said, oh, sorry, and she moved on and didn't play the game, which was a big mistake because you're the one that's in charge. And if he's the reason why you're there is because the people who work for him have thought, yeah, this, this crowd needs something mm. so that they enjoy themselves and so they have an affinity between each other. I've got a friend who um, has written a book called The Affinity Principle, Amazon bestseller. I'm actually the voice of the book, which is uh, coming out as an audio book soon. And uh, it's basically talking about having an affinity in the workplace. And if you're a big, fat, old, stinky CEO that's rude to everyone like that and only wants to be work, 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 no one's going to like you. And they're going to they're gonna do everything that they can to just do their job 
at a bare minimum and get the hell out of work. Mm. Um, so if you're in those situations, just just find some games that, that you, you can use to loosen everyone up and have a bit of fun. Um, I uh, worked at Groundlings in the uh, – did a few courses at Groundlings in, uh, in the US and that's where Will Ferrell and a lot of improv comedians came from. And, um, they play all sorts of games. So if you go to, you know, the Groundlings Improv Theatre website, there's games on there. Um, Upright Citizens Brigade, which is another improv group. They uh, have a lot of games there. One that was ridiculous was called, uh, Chickens and Cows. And so what, what you do is, um, you, you just choose a whole stack of people in the room. Say, you're a chicken, you're a cow, you're a chicken, you're a cow, you're a chicken, you're a cow. And then what everyone has to do, they have to cover their eyes and they're only allowed to make the noise of a chicken or a cow and they have to find all of their chickens and they have to huddle together and the cows have to find all their cows and huddle together. And you can't not laugh doing that. And and what that poor woman who had to deal with the dickhead CEO from the bank should have said, hey, Mr. CEO, I really appreciate what you're saying and I know you're in charge and we're going to learn a whole heap of stuff today, but this is just to get everyone's attention and get their blood flowing and have a bit of fun. So you're the best CEO in the business, I'm sure, but this is what I do. So just give me five minutes. Can you give me five minutes just to get things going? Can I just have a little bit? You're paying me. So can you just give me five minutes and just just help me out here? So that that's really what she should have done. And, and if he mm. said no... You should um, stick it up his ass and left because don't let anyone speak to you like that. So basically you've got to just keep going. Just go ahead yeah. with the plan as usual. Absolutely. Keep going. Do not stop. Don't put up with crap. You're a professional. That's why they hired you. I think that's a really good point to understand that you've been hired for a reason and the CEO who or whoever is being rude was not the one who hired you. Hmm. Um, do you think it's worth, though, checking in with the event organiser beforehand to gauge you know, is this, like, is a game something that people would be willing to do, you know, like just feeling out what type of yeah, audience they'd be? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's a run sheet and you, you, you know, you have a few meetings and talk about what you do and there's, you know, they've seen videos of what you do. They've seen your Instagram, they've seen your, your socials, they've seen your press release and your bio and they paid the fee. So you, if, if they don't know what they're going to get, there's something yeah. wrong. And, and, you know, that's a miscommunication between the, the PR department or, or the events department or whoever it is and their CEO. Um, but at the same time, you've, as a part of your job, you've got to make sure you're going to tell them, look, I'm going to play a game and yeah. I'm going to talk about my new book. I'm going to talk about everything that's in the new book. And then we're going to play, a, you know, do a little thing where I want everyone to write down the top 10 reasons why they should be doing this stuff that I'm saying in my book. And uh, and get some people up on stage and get them to talk about what their experiences and you know just to basically have an idea of what you're going to do and and tell yeah. them how how that's going to roll. I mean that's rare. I mean I've I've never had anyone say that to me. If um, he was too much Mike for me, yeah, be a little bit less Mike Goldman next time, will you? <laughs> just tell him to get out and go and do a poo. <laughs> we don't want you in here. Because full of shit. So, Mike, speaking of um, being full of shit, no, not really. Um, let's talk about your voiceover work because you've done uh, many, many voiceovers and I believe you've also got a voiceover course. Yes. That you're that you're releasing. What's the name of the course? On the mic.com Voice Academy. Voice and Academy. Yeah. And if you're a beginner or you're an experienced voiceover person, I've got my 40 years of voiceover experience because I've been doing it since I was 10. I'm 50 now. What was your very first voiceover job? Commodore 64 computers. Do you remember and it? 
Yeah. Um, it was with a, a voiceover guy called PJ who only tragically passed away a few weeks ago. And I was playing his son in this commercial and uh, I was giving him a, a present for Father's Day but he really wanted a Commodore 64 computer or something like okay. along those lines. But uh, he, he, he was one of the best voice artists in Australia. Really cool dude. Um, and then uh, another one I did like a year or two later was um, was well known back then was uh, for Topex Pimple Cream. And I had to say, Simone just called me Zit Face. <laughs> and uh, everyone at school recognized my voice and they would say it wherever I walked. Aww. So when you do the voiceovers now, do you, you have different types of voices that you pick from depending on the, the type of job? Or do you yeah, have absolutely. like one? So what are, the, so what are the, some of the different styles that you do? Um, well, there's different styles and there's different tones of different styles. I mean, there's documentary style, there's a hard sell style, there's, you know, characters that you might do for uh, an animated character that I might have played over the years. Uh, you know, and, and in my uh, voice academy course, I teach you how to create these characters. And I, I have this uh, list of accents, list of tones, um, the list of, you know, mouth movements to be able to create a character and, and get them all sounding different. Like I, I made a series for Disney that was uh, produced here in Brisbane. Uh, called You're Called What was the name of the show. And I did over 240 different characters on that. 240? Uh, yeah, <laughs> 240. Do you have to like characters. take notes of what each one is? Uh, yeah, and a lot of them got rejected it? as well. I had to redo them because they go, no, that sounds a little bit racist. There's too much Indian on that one. So, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, just tell them that I'm Indian. Just tell them that I'm Indian. No one's going to know. It's a character. So I saw uh, that you did, you did Meerkat Manor. Yeah. Was that like a narration style voice? Can you give me an example of that? Yeah, so uh, Meerkat Manor was on Channel 10. Um, they wanted to have an Australian voice because Bill Nighy was the voice in the UK. The documentary style of it was, um, it was, it was very orchestral. It was very moving. So you need to hear the music, but uh, it would be like um, the sun's coming up. I, I'll, I'll do it for you now. The sun's coming up over the Kalahari Desert and the Lazuli tribe attacked last night hurting Shakespeare and her little pups. So now the entire group is on high alert. You know what I mean? So it's like just a very fly-in-the-wall little whisper. So, I mean, you'd have to turn the, um, the volume right up so you could – actually, I could probably do that. So, so the microphone's a lot louder. And then I just use a really soft voice because the microphone's doing the work. So here we are in the middle of the Kalahari Desert in Africa. And there's animals trying to eat the tiny baby meerkats. So there you go. I hope that's not distorting. <laughs> no, that sounded really good. <laughs> so comparing that documentary style to like like a rebel sport, I guess more high energy type mm. of voice, what's the main difference that you, that you make there? Um, in the rebel sport adds, I mean, sometimes they would be uh, really, you know, Low, low key and sort of really quiet and inspiring you know you're waking up in the morning and you're putting on your nikes you're going for a run but you realize your nike has a hole so what are you going to do you're going to go to rebel sport you're going to get 20 percent off all footwear this week only you know so it depends on how how the director wants you to play it and for someone who isn't a professional like yourself um you know i get emails from people all the time saying how do i make my voice sound better my voice just 
just doesn't sound good. And for me, I don't really know what that means. Like, I'm mm. like, what do you mean it doesn't sound good? Um, but for someone who maybe wants to bring more, I don't know, what would you call it? Like more fullness or a bit more resonance or just make their voice sound more pleasant. Do you have mm. any tips for, for what someone can do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of people come to me and they say that, I, you know, I'm people say that I, my voice, they don't like the sound of my voice or I don't like the sound of my voice. What do I do? Um, and a lot of the time it's because they're not using their body to speak. Um, you know, their body language is down here and they're just talking out the top of their mouth and they're just mm. moving their lips and pushing a little sound out of here that just sounds a bit nasally. And a lot of Australians, they talk like that and they don't really mm. finish their words probably, eh? you know. But if you're speaking here from your diaphragm, then you, you're using your entire lungs and your larynx and your voice box and your throat and your whole mouth to create a sound. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's speaking clearly and it's diction and it's building the muscles in your mouth to be able to say and pronounce words properly. Um, so it's, it's no easy fix that I could just tell you in a couple of sentences and everyone is different, but, uh, you know, obviously in my voice academy, you can come along with a ride and I'll teach you how to make your voice sound better. Absolutely. Well, if you're listening to this and that's something that you want, definitely check out Mike's course. Uh, Mike, was there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to share today? Uh, anything you didn't ask me? Uh, yeah. Have I got any movies coming up? Do you have any movies coming up? Yeah. That's funny you should ask. I do have a movie coming up. I'm shooting one with Vanilla Ice and Sophie Monk on Thursday. What's it called? I don't think it's got a name yet, but it's something to do with zombies on a plane. Oh, I don't even know if you're like joking or not anymore. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You're dead serious? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, being shot in Brisbane and uh, they asked me to do it on the weekend. So I probably shouldn't be talking about it. I should probably keep it quiet, but you can, you can have the exclusive. A huge thanks to Mike Goldman for sharing his hilarious stories and his expertise with us on the show this week. You can find out more about him, his work and his voiceover program at onthemic.com. That's on the mic spelled M-I-K-A. Or you can visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 294. I'll put links to how you can connect with Mike there. If you enjoyed this episode, do share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would also get value from it. It's a great way to get this podcast heard by more people. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you in two weeks. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.